All right, thank, thank you everyone for joining our next panel, uh, our containership panel. I, I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone on our panel today uh, after hearing from multiple sectors. And um, let's get in. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Tate Sullivan. I'm in Maxim Group covering shipping companies in the Equity Research Department. Thank you to our panelists and our audience today for attending Capital Inc's 17th Annual Maritime Conference. And thank you to Nicholas and his team for arranging a great, great lineup of events. Um, introducing, participating on our container shipping panel today, and I'll introduce by company executives by, by their company names from Deneos, ticker DAC, CFO Evangelos Hatsis, from Eurocis, ticker ESEA, CFO Tassos Aslides, and from Global Ship Lease, ticker GSL, um, Executive Chairman George Eurokos, and to, from Topfler Transport Managing Director Clemens Topfler. Um, thank you for, to all our panelists for joining, and let's just let's jump right into our conversation. And I'll, as a way of starting our discussion, I'll rotate around to each company by way of a, a recent company event. Um, Devan, uh, for Deneos Evangelos, as a way of introducing your company, can you provide an, an update on managing the size of your existing fleet ahead of t taking delivery of six new builds in 2024? And I believe, for instance, you completed two ship sales in November and one in June. Related to that, can you sell older ships today for scrapping for gains as well? How do you manage your fleet ahead of new built deliveries? Uh, thank you, Tate, and uh, good afternoon to everyone. Of course, we're not going to shy away from uh, divesting. Uh, as you mentioned, we've already sold uh, three ships. Uh, but what has happened in our sector uh, over the prior two years, we were in a very robust environment where we could fix any ship for three to five years at terrific rates. And uh, it made no sense in most cases uh, to, to sell ships. It was much more accretive uh, to cash in uh, the charters that you could fix. Uh, going forward, obviously, as it was mentioned also before in the analyst panel, uh, we, we're going to need to renew fleets. Uh, people sometimes forget that vessels are aging assets year by year. Uh, we also have to meet uh, uh, technology challenges uh, up ahead. So, uh, yes, ultimately, the older fleet will have to be phased out. As, a, as long as you're making money and the returns are good, uh, you know, you will manage it uh, in, a, in a way that you see fit depending on, on where you are in the cycle. Can, can you sell old, your older container ships for scrap today at a, for a gain, roughly, in the market? Well, uh, if you could even sell them for further trading, if someone is interested, uh, and with, with all the money that these ships have made over the past years, you know, you're definitely uh, well in the money. So it's not a matter of uh, deciding, do I want to sell today to realize a good return on my investment? This has already been realized. So uh, it's a matter of how much money you need to invest in a ship for it to keep trading versus what you expect it to earn. Uh, and also balancing this uh, with the, the capital that you have available uh, to invest uh, in, in fleet renewal, because in order to maintain your position as a company uh, with, with all the ships that will uh, eventually come out, you're going to need to be proactive, place orders, and to, to, to maintain your position to begin with, and then start thinking about growing. Uh, uh, without making bets that are outsized. 
Great, and then a lot of conversation on the container ship and the new build, current new build cycle in Tassos. You are also scheduled to take new build deliveries in the next two years. Any, I've heard in other sectors, some small delays in new build deliveries. Are there any signs of new build delivery delays from any shipyards at all? And, and what is your contracting strategy ahead of taking deliveries of new builds? Thank you. Thank you, Tate. Uh, good afternoon to everybody from me as well. Thank you to Capital Link uh, for inviting us. Uh, I think we are about to take delivery of our first new building in a couple of weeks. I think that's a, m a very modest delay, probably five days be beyond the originally intended schedule. To the best of my understanding, the rest of our new building program is currently on schedule. We have one other ship to be delivered in June, and then the, our next delivery start late this year and into next year. So I don't have, I mean, I have heard a little bit of some uh, uh, delays in general, but we have an experienced, uh, as I mentioned, uh, and noticeable delays uh, for those. In terms of contracting the ships, I mean, it was a very strong market for the last couple of years. You could fix forward. Uh, the first two of our new buildings we fixed forward a year ago, this time last year, at great rates. Of course, now there isn't as much of forward business you can conclude, so we have to wait as the deliveries approach to, to book our remaining new buildings uh, uh, on charters. Thank you, thank you, Tosh. So moving to Global Ship Lease, GSL, Mr. Eurokos. Uh, how do you been, your company has repurchased shares, is, uh, and, and how do you evaluate in this market, this point of the container ship cycle between making ship acquisitions versus purchasing shares, repurchasing shares? Yeah, good afternoon, and thank you for the question. But capital allocation uh, is something that it's one of the most important things in a, in a public company. Um, over the, the past uh, couple of years, we had a super cycle. Um, shipping is cyclical, though, we all know that. The container market was at a very high level, now it's at much reduced level. Therefore, you know, somebody has to weight the risk uh, between, uh, you know, um, managing the balance sheet and taking the opportunity and jumping on deals, buying ships. So the, with this, you know, the options for capital allocation, the menu, let's call it, has uh, for us five, uh, uh, five options. The first option, obviously, it's to build cash liquidity. That's the f most important in difficult times. Companies have to have a strong balance sheet and strong liquidity. The second is deleveraging. By deleveraging, you obviously build uh, equity value for the shareholders and follow the contractual obligations to the company. The third option is the dividend. This is a very important option for us. We have made sure over the years that uh, we build our contractual um, uh, EBITDA, we contracted our EBITDA forward in order to make sure that we have a sustainable dividend, which today is at one and a half dollar per year giving us about 8% uh, dividend yield. Then the fourth is the buybacks, share buybacks. That's something we like and we do, and we have done so far $40 million worth of share buybacks. And the last, obviously, is buying ships. Uh, you have to very carefully time that, because that's the bloodline of a company. Over the last uh, 18 months, where we have not bought uh, a single ship. We've looked at various transactions, None of them, as on a risk-reward base, met our criteria, so we passed. 
prior to that, we bought like 25 ships uh, within the six months. So we timed our acquisitions just before the market uh, went really high, and then we milked the cow. So just to, to say a little bit of a general paradigm, uh, container shipping companies are like cash cows. But every cow you have to milk and milk and milk, but at some point you have to feed the cow, otherwise you're gonna keep milking and the cow will die and there's no more milk. So in other words, what I'm saying is, you know, you have to buy some ships at a point when values are good and uh, accretive acquisitions so that you can feed the cow with more EBITDA and more free cash flow so you can keep milking away and returning equity to the shareholders. So with that, I would just say that we are focusing on two things right now, uh, purchases of ships at accretive prices, as we see the market now that has turned and more opportunities come, and share buybacks. Thank you. Thank you, a, a much better description of a good fleet renewal strategy. <laughs> can we move to the top for, to top for Transport and can you give some background on, on your company and, and recent S&P activity after what you, we heard from Mr. Eurokos on and recent S&P activity in the container shipping industry today versus a year ago, for instance. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. And uh, we are ship brokers in Hamburg with offices in Singapore and Shanghai. And I personally do uh, mainly containers. Um, otherwise, we as a company do a lot of research and a lot of activities on new buildings and S&P in uh, multi-purpose heavy lift and the short sea uh, markets. So the five to 10,000 debit ton uh, ships. And on the activity, uh, obviously the activity is different now than it was a year ago. Um, it was a massive um, activity uh, last year, um, and the prices were obviously very, very high. But uh, right now, for the last uh, few weeks, we see uh, also a lot of uh, demand for container ships. The market has uh, bottomed out for now, and now a lot of people who were scared of buying into the falling knife um, now are coming uh, to the market. In general, right now, I would say, it feels like it at least, um, about 50% of the purchasing interest for container ships is backed by trade into Russia. And uh, so it's the Turkish, Dubai, Chinese uh, buyers who are, who are actively looking into, into that area. You have uh, the other um, players there are people who have maybe, let's say, around $10 million and who were not able to buy even a 20-year-old uh, 700 TU ship during the boom time. Now for $10 million, you get some uh, decent ships. So they are now uh, coming to renew uh, the fleet. And then you have um, people still like uh, the MSCs of this world and, and some others who are actively looking for still renewing their fleet, buying tonnage, but that's mainly on the slightly larger uh, vessels. But it's very, very active uh, right now because for many people it seems like we have reached bottom. So a lot of buyers now uh, active. Uh, th thank you for those comments. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to hear from the other panelists if you if you have. I mean, what in historical new build cycles has indicated the bottom? Has it been this increase in S and P activity? Has it been companies securing contracts well ahead of new build deliveries? Does it need to be a combination of those factors? And I mean, do you echo that? Have we reached the bottom, Evangelist? Well, we... Uh, in terms of rates, I would say. In, in? in terms of rates. 
in terms of rates? Well, we've seen uh, a pickup recently, uh, a small pickup in, in rates, which means that, you know, we've seen some sort of plateau. And definitely rates are not what they were uh, the past couple of years in, during the super cycle. Uh, we had uh, predicted that they would not be, be as low as they were back in 2018 or 2019. This is what is happening now. The, the issue now is that you have durations that are much smaller. So people, uh, uh, charters want to maintain the flexibility of uh, managing the asset in a very flexible way. And typically they would ask you for short periods with options if they can get them. Uh, but the actual rate that you can charter the ship today for six to 12 months is still a very healthy rate. And uh, the issue around um, second-hand prices versus new buildings and, and where the market is, one thing that you know, we did not have in the past as a factor is uh, ordering ships because of emissions, regulations, and what have you. Uh, and, you know, fleet renewal in the sense of getting ready for the new era that is coming on. Uh, and this is not, uh, so this, is, this goes outside the, um, uh, the, the typical investment decision. I have a five or a 10 year old ship that is worth 20% a new building. You know, I'm never gonna order a new building. I'm gonna buy the second hand ship because the returns will always be better. And when the market improves, second hand prices go up and then it makes more sense to build new ships. Uh, today, you have a situation where you already have a pretty big order book. Uh, and there are certain unknowns uh, up ahead in terms of uh, the demand side. Uh, you know, we've all seen the turmoil in the banking sector, uh, you know, what uncertainty around the war, inflation, how has that affected consumption? There are many variables in the equation that, you know, no, no one has a crystal ball to predict. Therefore, uh, it's, I'm, I'm not sure that we can say with certainty that we are, uh, we have hit the bottom. Uh, I think the best case scenario would be that we go sideways for a period of time and hopefully within the next, uh, uh, let's say 12 to 18 months, we start uh, things settling down a bit, the dust settling down a bit and we get in, in, in recovery mode. Uh, but I wouldn't rush to say that we are now in recovery mode already. And, and, and Toss was previously and, and continuing that conversation, where are we in the recovery mode and new build, but the benefit of containers for investors has been that cash generation, it seems like George has mentioned as well. And you've done analysis before showing, I mean, the, the benefit of buying today in the container ship sector based on the asset and the cash flows of future contracts. But where do you think is the, we are in the current cycle as well? I think I largely agree with Evangelos. I believe there are too many unknowns, too many variables that we need to consider. I mean, the one known is the, the order book. Everything else could go either way, I guess. Uh, there could be great catalysts if the war ends and the reconstruction of Ukraine begins, and if the unfortunate uh, regions in, in, in South Turkey and Syria get reconstructed, there will be general economic activity that would drive with it, I guess, containerized trade. That is not directly for, for containers, but it will drive containerized trade too. There will be a new optimism that will be created. That could be a great event to boost demand and absorb more easily the supply. The coming regulations also 
could affect supply as well. It could reduce it because of the uh, of, of, of needing to, to stay within the emission uh, requirements. So I feel very much like Evangelos. I think the, a good scenario would be to move in the near term sideways. I think still many ships are locked in in charters, so whoever has new requirements until the deliveries uh, start coming in, it might have difficulty finding a ship, and that probably was the reason of the recent increase in, increase in rates. But we are waiting to see how, how many of these uncertainties will be will be removed to, f to see the clear trend in the market. George, would you like to add, add anything about where we are in the container ship cycle, in addition, following up your capital allocation comments from earlier? Uh, can you repeat? I didn't hear you. Uh, any, where we are in the sh current container ship cycle, do we still have some bottoming well, to do? That's, yeah, that's a million dollar question. I think that we are historically, if you delete the last two super cycle years and you go pre-COVID, we are at a very good level today. So the charter rates are at very high levels in comparison to the normality. So they're back in normal territory and high levels in comparison to the normal territories. I think that um, depending on the sector you look at, smaller ships, medium, medium ships, large ships, the order book is focused on large ships. The, it's quite a large order book on uh, ships above 13,000. Uh, between two to two to ten thousand, the order book net of scrapping, and if we assume that every ship that is 25 years old is, is going to be scrapped, then the order book is about five and a half percent for the remaining three years, which is very low. So I'm not worried that much for these categories of ships, um, and I think that we 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 will see further reductions in uh, charter rates uh, come, uh, you know, after close to, I don't know, September, October, usually is the low season. Uh, that's what I would expect. But, but until uh, June, July, we should see stability in the rates. And, uh, and thereafter, we'll have to see how the world economy reacts. Uh, we do know the order book, and the only unknown is the world economy. And containers is relatively simple to predict, uh, because it's, you know, well, you see what's the supply of ships, and then you just look at the world economy. So that's what I think on the market. Thank, th thank you, and, and Clemens, anything you want to add? You, uh, you started the conversation talking about the, the bottoming and more activity in the S&P market too, and uh, if you want to reiterate some comments there where you are in the, new, in the current container ship cycle, but also I want to hear from all the panelists, if you do mind, where do you expect future growth in container ship trade uh, in this current environment? Will there be more trade outside of China as well? Um, yeah, I think your, your, your question started as well a little bit of where do we see the cycle um, and the movement of the cycle and it's very often you see that on the period of the charter period. Um, you can see obviously in the boom time we went up to three years but very often it's, it's just the movement from six months to 12 months periods. Um, you can see where um, the liner companies um, see the cycle. Obviously, once they expect uh, increasing uh, rates, they go for longer. And we recently have seen um, the market going from six months more to 12 months on the feeder size, you know. Um, so for now, it seems like the liner companies um, see a little bit of a bottoming out. Um, at the same time, um, I agree with uh, George um, that I think the autumn uh, will be more challenging um, than now. I think the container market has such a large order book um, and 
it's wishful thinking if we continue as we are, um, because we are still, if you compare it to pre-COVID, we had a very, very good uh, market and uh, container shipping will be continue celebrating <laughs> if we go through the crisis um, at the rates we have right now and the size of the order book, um, in a way, regardless if it's on the more on the big ones or, or the small ones, um, the order book is very big and uh, with such an order book, uh, there will be more pain um, in the container market um, for the next uh, two years. There will be very painful um, times, I expect. Um, but they will be you know, bring, bring the opportunities too. Um, and you can see that a lot of people are not investing now and rather pay down debt and, and, and save the money and don't go for too many orders. So it will bring the opportunities, and, uh, but there will be more pain to come for sure. In some sense, if I can add something, it's, it's an interesting point in time because all of us have, at least the owners, have a good cash flow over the last two years, very strong balances. And despite the fact that indeed the order book is high, we, we look this more as an opportunity, as uh, Clemens uh, started uh, insinuating, than, than a direct threat. So we are be looking to find good investment opportunities. Uh, there is also a difference between the old and small ships in terms of the order book. And there, there is some trickle down, obviously, all, all the time, but not 100%. So I, I feel that the feeders are, to some extent, better positioned than the very old, very, very big ships. I totally agree with this. And, and, and in a way, you know, one, one of the things I noticed on the last um, year uh, traveling, particularly to Greece, um, when I flew home, it was always, it felt good. Um, because nobody really wanted to do much. Yeah? And as a broker, that's maybe bad, but um, as a long-term player in the market, it, it feels good if the owners are sitting more on their hands, um, paying down the debt, and too many just remember uh, all the problems from the past and don't want to be back into the problems. So um, the container shipping didn't leave, leave many people uh, naked um, with the drop. Uh, basically, everybody had a good party, everybody has a, had a good drink, and everybody sits there maybe still drunk but smiling and and uh, you know it's it's people are not so exposed and that's in many other areas too um you know and that's i i, I like that on the market the last year that you also didn't have enough or you didn't have a lot of other money coming into the market um whether from banks wanting to push um, the loan books um as we had in the german market in the past um or you didn't have any any equity really looking to enter the market, so it it's, it's really feels uh, very healthy. Yeah, and, and the ongoing dividend payments, I, I'm most of the, all, the, all the companies on our panel have paid four quarters of unchanged dividends, I believe, and I, I mean, that as, a, as creating additional returns, even though the stocks dropped last year, but that was after, what, 250% plus returns two years ago, um, so it has managed. And on the dividend policy front, I, I mean, with the longer, you still have meaningful contract coverage, so to speak, compared to other sectors of the shipping industry. Does, does that support um, maintaining your, your current dividends, I would expect? Yes, it does. I mean, we have a 2.1 billion contract backlog. And uh, with counterparties that are expected to fully perform. So we, we do have visibility of cash flows. Uh, on the other hand, it was mentioned before, you need to have certain capital allocation priorities. Uh, at this point, we are paying out a dividend. We, wanna, we want this dividend to be con um, uh, consistent and uh, sustainable, regardless of where we are in the cycle. 
uh, and we have the ambition of gradually growing it, uh, provided that we can also grow the revenue base and earnings. Uh, at this point, and where uh, stock prices are trading with the general sentiment, which, you know, our stock prices have, where we're trading has nothing to do with who we are as companies, right? And the fundamentals and the cash flows and all these things. It, it, it reflects the broader sentiment, I guess, uh, of for the broader industry, concerns about demand, consumer demand, inflation, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you want to talk about returning uh, money to shareholders at these price levels, the buyback is the more, should be the preferred option instead of a dividend. Uh, we have a buyback program in place. Uh, we have partially executed on it, and uh, we want to continue executing on it. But uh, uh, definitely the dividend, we believe, is a necessary ingredient, uh, and we will continue uh, paying it out, and hopefully when we can attract more investment, more uh, opportunities that are accretive, we can continue growing it. I, I found it impressive. Container ships, even though all the headlines are about the new build cycle, the companies, most of the companies continue to repurchase and pay dividends. I mean, Tassos and George, you, you as well, too. And anything that you want to signal to investors with your most recent quarter and dividend announcements? I think it's uh, fair to say that uh, the last two years, all, all of our companies here were able to take advantage of the strong rates, fortify, we like to use this word, the, the balance sheets, and ensure that we'll become more normal companies paying a consistent dividend over a predictable uh, amount of time given the strength of the contracts. We also have uh, about more, more than 400 million of contracted revenues, and we believe our dividends is uh, in good shape for the next uh, couple of years at the very least. Share buybacks is a great way to return shareholders' money and invest at the same time, because I believe all three of us trade below, significantly below our NAV. Would you agree, George? Or? Yeah, although for containers, I do not think that NAV should be the, the metrics. I think that's more of a bulk carrier tanker metrics, because as you know, the value of a container is not related very much to the charter-free value, but it's the, what's the, the charter-attached value. We trade even below the discounted uh, cash flows from the charters, I believe. <laughs> so in any case, survey purchases, we consider it as a good investment for our shareholders. It's we're buying assets uh, at below their intrinsic value. Yeah, and the dividends paid to wait, your average dividend yields on this panel, annualized dividend yields about 7% as of this morning. Uh, Clemens, going, you know, I, I didn't follow up with the earlier question. Are there any, besides the new builds entering the market, is there a significant future changes in global container ship trade? We've read all about the rerouting in the product and oil tankers. Um, any new sources of demand for containers, container shipping that you could point to? Well, I pointed out earlier a little bit on the, the buying interest to replace um, some of the ships withdrawn uh, from the market. And actually, that's one interesting aspect as well, that MSE uh, keeps on continuing to trade Russia and trade New York. <laughs> so it's interesting how they can do that. Um, it's widely published. Um, otherwise, there's a lot of talk for, for a long while already in how far production moves out of China and uh, production moving to Indonesia, uh, Vietnam or elsewhere. And, and um, that's 
happening is maybe not happening to the point that uh, they close uh, a factory in China and reopen Vietnam, but it's rather that the next factory is not going to be in China. Um, that's positive for uh, container shipping um, in general because it's just uh, will need more feedering in particular. And if you look at, at India, um, there you have sometimes big port developments, but the infrastructure behind the port is not uh, allowing really 20,000 TU ships to come in because the inland infrastructure is just too small. Um, so in general, that's good. Um, and uh, so you're going to have some, some knee shoring to, to Europe uh, or to Western world, to America, but that's not really um, that big. It's, 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 there's a, a famous example of Adidas, um, which opened up a factory in Germany some time ago, some years ago, to produce very uh, automated uh, shoes there. And, and after a few uh, years, Adidas closed the plant again. It was not um, uh, profitable, and they rather, uh, again, produce the same shoes in China because more profitable. So um, I think the, the movement will be rather from you know China, maybe the next factory in, in Vietnam, but not too many factories back at the Western consumers, at least. And that should be positive for, for feeder uh, containers. Can you, uh, following up that to the ship owners, is it? Can you comment for for my education as well? The benefit of operating your types of fleets versus the large liner companies, Maersk, Capag, Lloyd, and and what are the different natures of operating your fleets compared to the huge mega container ships? If George, could, would you mind commenting on that? Well, the the way that the liner companies operate their ships is a bit uh, different than uh, what we do. I mean, we we charter our ships to them, so we. We follow what uh, when they have a need, so they they focus mainly on large ships, liner companies. Usually, the focus is on the ships that are you know above 13, 14,000. These are the major ships that they use. Then they fill up their lines with uh, the smaller ships. They do own some of the smaller ships, but they main mainly take them from uh, the ship owners. So you know the, our job is to fill the gaps for these guys and to foresee what is the type of ship that they will be needing in the you know in the foreseeable future and we we focus more on second-hand ships rather than new buildings we have done new buildings in the past but uh, we feel that uh, right now it's it's better serving our strategy second-hand ships because we want the profits to get into our balance sheet immediately so to be accretive straight away from the start line all the they, they be done and uh, we feel that it's also well, we want to be nimble so we want to be able to foresee what the needs of charters are in the next uh, six months or 12 months uh, we, we we prefer that thank you and and Tasso, you, you you have pr previously pointed out difference in new build rates between this your your fleet size compared to the large liner companies can you point out that difference difference with your permission, I would like to make a reference back to the dividend. Gil, you mentioned a several percent average. I think our dividend is 11 percent. Yes, uh, yeah, you are. So <laughs> because ours is clarify five. that. Yeah, because ours is 5 percent. So <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, there comes the difference. <laughs> so you, your question is vis-a-vis -vis our liner companies, how our... New build, the new build, percent of new builds in the market. I, I think we saw an opportunity. I mean, we are a feeder-focused company, right? So we, would, we wouldn't look at the very big ships. We would look at the smaller ships. We believe the feeder sector is the, the one that is less well served by, by new orders, and we found the opportunity there um, by looking at the comparison of prices, new building prices versus second gen prices at the time, to, uh, 
to, to order to embark in the nine-vessel new building program, selecting the most commercially desired feeder sizes, the 2800s and the 1800 TU uh, vessels, and essentially move the company into the, into the next year after the charters of the existing second-hand ships expire, that by investing in the most modern and environmentally friendly designs that are currently available, I mean, with the existing fuel technology, I guess, and choices, the ships we are building are the most fuel-efficient ships that could, one could build. They have 30% or more less fuel consumption than existing ships of similar size. So we believe we are, ma we are making a big step towards a more environmental-friendly fleet. We are doing our bit in, in, in uh, investing in uh, reducing in, 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 the in, the, in the fight against climate change and essentially serving the, our shareholders and our clients by focusing on the most desired uh, ships. Evangel, is there, a, is there a difference to your new building plan compared to what Tassos just described with his company? New no, building I think like? uh, the, gen the two gentlemen that spoke before me have, have covered the bases. Uh, effectively, uh, you know, our customers want to own the bigger assets that are they consider as core assets for the main whole trades, uh, whether it's Asia, Europe, or Trans-Pacific, and they turn to people like ourselves for the provision to, to cover the remaining requirements. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, through chartering in tonnage, they also maintain the flexibility of what fleet mix they want to have going forward, what ships they will renew, which ships they will leave behind. And this is where it's important, uh, as it was mentioned, that we um, own and operate and offer to them uh, vessels that, that, you know, are needed for their uh, business and uh, being emissions friendly uh, definitely will go a long way in the coming years uh, for your, your, your ships to be chartered uh, first and at better rates. Well, it's, it's, you all have very valuable comments on, on what to look for in the industry in the coming, coming months for the, the years, and I look forward to the different data points from your companies to follow the cycle in container ships, which continue to have the meaningful dividend yields and balanced capital allocation strategies, and I want to make sure to give all of you time for a closing statement or to circle back to any topics that you feel we didn't address, circle back in a reverse order. Let's keep the, going that to, to you, Clemens. Anything that you want to touch on before ending our panel today that we didn't talk about? No, I think we, we discussed most, and, and um, uh, as I said before, um, it will, I'm sure the market will get more, more difficult, um, but a few people are exposed, um, and uh, yeah, it will, be, it will be painful, but uh, it, it, it will be maybe good, for, because for us, it's what we look at 25 onwards, and, and um, there's in many markets, we, we think um, ordering new buildings will be very difficult and costly, um, and so replacement costs will go up, um, and I can't see too many orders coming after this uh, order boom. Um, and so we're quite positive, actually, for particularly the years uh, 25 onwards uh, in the container market or other markets as well. Everybody struggles, and particularly if you're a public company, um, you cannot just go and order any easy uh, spec uh, new building. You have to uh, please your shareholders and everybody else, and 
uh, and order, uh, you know, w with the latest dual fuel engines and, and put everything in it, uh, which makes it expensive. Uh, so ordering will be more difficult. Um, uh, so we look at it as, as, as there will be opportunities on container shipping and, and, and should be a good future as well after 25. Thank you very much. George, anything to highlight on global ship lease that we did not yeah, touch on earlier? Yeah, I will say that um, I'm pleased with uh, what I see ahead of us. Uh, you know, in shipping you have to, you can only make money if the market is volatile and it's cyclical. So we've been making a lot of money, we've been securing cash flows. Now it's time to find the cheap assets to keep feeding the cow, like I said before. Uh, on the other hand, uh, having the a strong balance sheet and, uh, and ability to modify the ships is going to be a big differentiator going forward as all of our customers are very interested in how we will reduce the fuel consumption and the CO2 emissions. And in, in doing so, you need to invest money into these ships, which you will take back, obviously, from the charter rate. Uh, so it's not a matter of losing money, but it's just a matter of you know, lending, in a way, money to the company. Uh, from the balance sheet to improve the ships and so that our ships are superior to our competitors who don't have the financial uh, ability to modify their ships uh, for the future requirements that we see now all over. So I think that uh, you know it's, it's a great market for us. We haven't ins invested in anything. We haven't got any, anything uh, that we need to spend money on. We can only be very opportunistic and nimble. Thank you, George Tassos. Thanks for Eurosys. Thanks, Dave. Eurosys is almost 20 years in the public markets. Has been has managed to go through a period that is mostly difficult. I think the last, other, other than the last two years, the previous 10 were very, very difficult years for, especially for a container company. Since 2018, is a pure play on the on the feeder sector, and has positioned itself well to take advantage as much as we could of the last two years of the high rates by entering into significant contracts in terms of length and, and size. So with that, we have been able to provide a good dividend for our shareholders of 11%, as I mentioned earlier. We're doing a SERP buyback program, so investing in our own assets, which I think were very cheap. We have embarked on a new building program to ensure that we'll be there to serve our clients and shareholders. And we, we believe we can manage the next couple of years when the order will uh, have to be absorbed. And as Clemens uh, said, uh, we will look after 2024 to more better times to come. And we're also quite optimistic about our prospects. And Evangelos from Dineos, please. Yes, there are obviously uh, challenges and uncertainties uh, ahead. Uh, challenges when it comes to emissions regulations and uh, how this whole thing will be uh, managed by the industry, what fuel will prevail, uh, what sort of investments one needs to make, uncertainties relating to where this is all going to lead, all the situation with uh, the war, uh, the, the banking sector, uh, issues that we, we see are now surfacing, and broader issues around inflation and demand. Um, but. Uh, we, and, and, and the other thing is where you are as a company. We have uh, reaped the benefits of a very good market. We have done, I, I believe, very wisely in terms of allocating capital. We have reduced leverage considerably. We are close to net debt zero at this point. And uh, we're actually being very challenged to find good investments. And uh, we're looking forward. 
to be able to source attractive investment opportunities with manageable residual risk, which is the most important thing when, when you invest in, in, uh, in ships. So we're very well prepared. We have a fortress balance sheet, and uh, I believe the future for Danaos is bright. Great. Thank, thank you very much to you all. Thank you very much to our container thank ship you, panelists. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tate.